why are so many people jumping to this class of medications rather than doing the lifestyle stuff? Why are we not educating people that we have to do the foundations first? Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 205 of the Biohacker Babes. I am Lauren tuning in from New York City today, and I'm joined across the country by my sister, my real live beautiful sister, Renee Bells in the city of Las Vegas. Hello, Renee. Hi. How are you? Excellent. I feel like we're representing our BB colors today. You have a nice pink glow and I have a blue tongue. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. I should have done a blue tongue today. Darn. Mm, are you jealous of the reasons why I took the blue? Probably not. <laughs> oh, all right. I guess we'll get to that today. Yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> get to that. But anyways, branded colors here, blue tongue, pink glow. Great to see you. How you doing? Good. Ready for a BB episode today. Yeah. So we got a duo so day, also j- known as just a regular podcast with yours truly, Biohacker Babes. So we're going to kind of run this episode like we do, or we have been in the past, just the two of us. We're going to run through a few topics that are top of mind for us. One of which is we're going to do a quick review of the biohacking conference, which we just attended in Orlando, Florida, a couple of weeks ago. Just wanted to share some takeaways from that, some pros, some cons, just general thoughts. We got a little bit of research and fun fun facts to share with you. And then, of course, we're going to share some biohacking experiments, as always. What's going on in our lives? What's working? Maybe what's not? And I'm going to share with you. Uh, some poor recovery stats that I've had of late. So stay tuned. And Renee, maybe you can play my health coach. Happy to help. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So anything to share, Renee? You want to kick off? Yeah, let's kick it off with the biohacking conference since we're still a little on you know cloud nine from that. It was so much fun. It always feels like a little vacation. We get to see all of our friends. And I think we should cover like what went well and what maybe we would like to see different next year, even though we already bought our tickets next year's event. Like we're already (laughs) committed. (laughs) The marketing people get you. They're like, buy midnight, buy your ticket for next year. 364 days later. Like, (laughs) I mean, 50% off, like it, it actually is 50% off. I mean, you'll see some other sales throughout the year, maybe like 40%, et cetera. But when you're talking about a $2,000 ticket, I think it's worth it. So we'll be in Dallas next May. Hope to see you all there. Start start the countdown. So I think, you know, pros of the conference, first of all, like always amazing to see everyone in the community. Just like you can't walk five feet without bumping into an old friend, maybe a new friend. Like we really appreciated people that came up and said, oh my gosh, we love your podcast. Like so nice to meet in person. It's so great to be able to see the faces of the people that are listening, because sometimes I feel Mm -hmm. like you and I are just talking to each other and we happen to be recording. And I'm like, oh, yes, there are real life people listening to us. So hi, thank you for saying (laughs) hi. (laughs) That was amazing. And then the expo hall, 
or like, what do they call it? The tech playground. It is seriously such a playground. I spent probably 80% of the conference in there just trying old biohacks, new biohacks, talking to people, seeing what's new in the supplement space. And yeah, that's that's always super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like people keep asking like, what was new this year? And unfortunately, I don't feel like there was a lot new for us other than we did get to both try the Flow Presso, which Freddie Kimmel is now working for. And we'll have to bring him on to speak about it because I certainly can't speak from an educated place. But it's kind of like the Zippy Squeezy, which is our our pet name for the Balancer Pro, which is essentially like a uh, tissue muscle squeezing device that you put on these like pants. It's a little spacesuit or the upper body. And it increases lymphatic drainage and support. So really helpful for that lymphatic circulation. The flow presso, I would say, is a couple steps up because the wraps are really particular to the area of the body. So there's several wraps. Actually quite difficult to get into yourself. You really need a practitioner, but the power on that thing is just unbelievable. And I felt really awesome. You did get on it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah, and then the infrared heat. That's like the, you know, also really, really amazing. Yeah. I was so anxious to get on there and I was like fighting to get on the machine all weekend. And then once I did, I was like, oh, I've done this before. Oh, I totally forgot. <laughs> I, I was at Dr. Drobot's office down in Scottsdale, Arizona a year or two ago, and I did it there. Totally didn't connect the dots that it was the same machine. But anyways, I got to do it again. Although I will say it was kind of weird because- a week before the biohacking conference, I came down with a cold. Maybe you guys have heard me on some previous podcasts where I sounded different. Like I definitely had a cold. I was able to kick it really fast. I go to the conference. I'm feeling great again. I do the flow presser at the end of day two. And immediately the next morning, I start feeling not great again. And then by Monday, I had a full-blown cold again. And so I'm like, is it possible I got sick twice in one month? Like that has never happened to me in my entire life. Or did I kick it so fast that maybe it wasn't fully out of my body and the Flopresso with the lymphatic drainage kicked it back up? I, I would gesture that it was the latter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll never know, which sure. is helpful. I know really annoying because you were congested for an exceedingly long amount of time, but uh, potentially yeah. actually kind of really cleaning out your cells and getting an upgrade, right? Like being yeah. sick is not always a bad thing. It's an, it's an upgrade. It's adaptation. It's hormesis. So yeah, but, but I'm sure. sorry for your congestion. Yeah. It's super annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. I, it's, I think it, if anything, it just shows the power of the flow presso, like how important it is to move the lymph every day. And I'm guilty of maybe not doing it every day. And there's things like, you know, dry brushing, jumping on the trampoline, even just like jumping jacks and kind of moving a little bit can help. But I think we need to be doing that every day. So that was a good reminder for me. Yeah. And thanks for yeah. introducing the stuff that you can do that's free and at home. I think we should be doing these things. Like we don't, this machine is really awesome. And I hope to find a facility near me that has one, but obviously it's not accessible to everyone, potentially expensive. We always want to talk about like, how do we do this? How can we mimic this? Knowing that it may be a step down from the technology, but small, consistent daily habits every day are really going to help stimulate that lift, which is so crucial. It's a crucial part of the healing process. And I think not talked about enough. Yeah. The lymphatics. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Another cool thing was that Amp Coil, which was right next door to Flow Presso, which is fun. That was the corner we were hanging out in because Kathy and Laura were our friends from Beloved Now, our goddesses. They were at the Amp Coil booth. So we got to hang out with them and Freddie and Caitlin at Flow Presso. But Amp Coil has Christine. a new 
And Christine, yes, Dinese, Amcoil has a new copper pad that goes on the chair. So you sit on it and lean back. It's kind of like a, a mat. So you're getting this increased, I'll just say power for lack of a better word. They're also building new coils with more copper in them. So it's going to just like multiply the effects that we're getting from this powerful healing tool, which is PEMF and Tesla technology, which is delivering frequencies, healing vibrations to our cells so we can come into homeostasis, essentially resonate at optimal frequencies so that we have natural healing abilities. Voila. So I used the new copper pad and I was really blown away because I think the amp coil is super subtle. I put people on the coil and they haven't felt anything. Certainly I've heard of people buying them, returning them because they're like, I didn't feel anything. You know, it doesn't always deliver this wow factor that a lot of people are seeking, even though I've had profound effects. It's the thing that I use seven days a week. I know Renee, you feel a lot of benefit from using it. I think it's an incredible tool. It's just that if it's lack of wow factor, does it mean it's not doing anything? I I believe no, but I think there is kind of this seeking of something bigger. Anyways, the copper mat was super wow factor. I, of course, we want to kind of downregulate the nervous system and just really lean into the technology, not be busy chatting or on our phone while we're on it. So I laid back and closed my eyes and started doing a meditation. I had to keep fluttering my eyes open because it was taking me on some kind of journey. It almost felt like a psychedelic journey a little bit. I had to open my eyes and be like, wait, okay, I'm here. I'm here. I'm in reality. What time is it? There was a lot of stuff flowing and I just was flying high the rest of the day. I felt really amazing. So we'll have to get more amp coil education back on the show and share this with you. And I just think it's kind of cool to see technologies like that, that are already existing in the market that are constantly working to upgrade and provide a better customer experience, a better healing experience. So yeah, I'm a little jazzed about the copper. Yeah. I get to experience it too. I didn't feel as much as you did, but maybe because I had that in my head about your experience, you know, I was like waiting for it. But I think also I just have a hard time trying some of this technology when we're in the middle of a expo hall. Mm, I really a lot try of noise. Like, it's a lot of noise, like actually like sound noise, but just like the physical noise. I'm just so sensitive mm-hmm. to like who's around me and it's a lot, but but definitely exciting. I mean, anything that can like cut down the time you need to use the amp coil or the number of times you need to use the amp coil, like that's that's pretty awesome to see. So mm-hmm. anything yeah. else in the tech ho- hall that was new to you or just super ride home story about? No. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like so many people have asked me that. Um, yeah, no. I guess, but you but things that we had seen. <laughs> yeah. I would say, but things um some speakers, you know, some podcast guests we've had in the last year, some products that have been new in the last year. So just finally getting to see them in real life. But yeah. Yes, that is the best. I'm just such a visual in person. My memory works better when I can actually connect a name to a face. And we have a lot of names coming through email, Instagram, of course, the podcast. And it's like we solidify our relationship. We're like taking it to the next level. We get to hug. And um, yeah, we just got to meet so many people that have just been on Zoom. And I've, we've been saying that for the last couple of years. But at this point, it's like, wow, we've really met a lot of people in person. And it just feels really good to connect as a as a real human again. <laughs> Reminds me of that Beauty and the Beast song. To be human again, to be human again. No, not no. not the original, not the original Beauty and the Beast. It was the uh, newer movie. 
Of course you would know about that. Ignore my my singing. (laughs) Um, I'm still living in 1994 Beauty and Beast land. (laughs) uh, I mean, the classic is the best, but um, I will add one other thing. Um, Jason from Got Mold, we've been like following his work, but we got to actually talk to him for a while and just so blown away. And guess what? He's coming on the podcast in a couple months. I'm so excited. Yes. I rarely that. stand at booths for an extended period of time because I'm always fighting this kind of FOMO. There's so much in the in the tech playground. There's always speakers. And so I really try to just lean in and accept like whatever I intuitively choose is meant for me. But there is always kind of this feeling like if I stand to, ch- to sorry, if I choose to stand here and listen, what else am I missing out on? But I stood there and listened to Jason speak to other people that were coming up to the booth. And I just didn't want to leave. I could not detach because I was just blown away by his understanding of mold, his experience of mold, explaining how the testing works. He's just so accessible and knowledgeable and kind and friendly and all these things. So really super excited to get him on the podcast so that you guys can learn about it too. But yeah, that was a huge win. Yeah. And actually, I really appreciated that he didn't think that I should test for mold in my house. Like someone that owns a mold testing company, he asked yeah. me, I think three or four questions. Cause I said, how do I know if I should test for mold? He says this, 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 he goes, I don't think you need to test for it. And I was about to just buy like the $200 test kit or whatever. And he was like, I don't, th- I don't think you need to. So I appreciate his openness and honesty about, um, who this is for and who it's not for. Yeah. Pretty cool. That's rad. Yeah. appreciate that so much. Now my mind is going, I have to throw one more thing. I just want to bring it up real quick and then we'll throw it in the show notes. We also met someone that didn't have a booth, but I was blown away by what he's doing. He's teaching people how to be fully sustainable with their homes. Like Mm. if you are like ready to go off the grid, you want all your own food growing and plumbing, like literally everything. He's teaching people how to do that. Hopefully we don't, aren't forced to do that anytime soon, but um, I just think, you know, if you're looking to buy some land and want to be fully sustainable, he is a really good resource. So we'll put that in the show notes. What's his name? I didn't get to meet him in person. I think he was with Stephen Klein. He was with Stephen. Yeah, that's who I met him through. And I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, right, but it was scroll down. This is exciting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. That's okay. Yeah. Cool. Lots of fun. And I think kind of the biggest thing is just seeing our community. And yes, we do spend lots of money to go to this conference to hang out with our friends, but just such a fulfilling experience. That being said, I think we have some feedback and notes about the conference. I think one, this is something that we've experienced the last time we went. The biohacking space is still very, very driven by the male population. And I think it actually is the fault of the two leaders in the community. Being men, not quite making enough space for women (sighs) for whatever reason could be a you know a three letter word so just in regards to speakers there were not enough women representing at all and even the ones that were and then also across the board there was not in my opinion not enough talk about how to biohack it kind of reflected the traditional educational model that we have at least in this country which is teaching people what to think rather than teaching them how to think and i think that is such an under, uh, I, I suppose, underappreciated and underacknowledged perspective in the biohacking community. We could collect all of these 
data points and perspectives and protocols. But at the end of the day, it's your end of one experience that really makes the biohacking space valuable. And so we have to understand how to set up these experiments for ourselves. We have to talk about how do we listen to our body and get feedback to figure out what's working for us. Otherwise, we're stuck in this tech hall going, oh my God, there's so many things. I need to buy all the things and everything's expensive. Where do we even start? It's so overwhelming. And I just, I didn't hear a single person talk about this is how we get started. And even for us, we've been in the biohacking space for a while, but we looked around and there were a lot of newbies in the room, a lot. You know, we got to meet people sitting at lunch because you just go in and, and pick a seat and they bring you your food. It was pretty cool. So we end up sitting with a lot of strangers. Hi, how are you? What brought you to the biohacking conference? Oh my gosh, I just heard about biohacking from such and such. My friend, you know, a couple of weeks ago decided to come get a ticket, check it out. I'm like, wow, we have a huge responsibility to really introduce biohacking to these people. We can't start at peptides, really crazy, fancy tech devices, all this top of the line, inaccessible stuff. We got to teach people how to be their own health gurus, how to run end of one experimentation, how to listen to their bodies. And I think we're actually doing a huge disservice by not doing that. I'm done talking for now. <laughs> Standing ovation. Standing ovation. Yeah. I mean, just ditto to all of that. I, I was blown away how many people I sat next to at lunch that, like you said, they were brand new. They're like, oh, I'm an elect, I do electrical engineering and I have Lyme disease. So I'm here. Like, you know, random things like that. So yeah, like definitely more of the the end of one experimentation. How do you collect the data and figure out what you need to do? And then on top of that, yes, the the lack of female speakers was just mind-blowing. You know, what if you know, one of our friends, she was on the main stage, I think, but which was amazing, but it was all about sex, like sexual performance, like in the bedroom. Which is great too, because I think, you know, having a libido and having a good sex life is an important part of our health. But like most women are not even close to that. Like they are like, they're exhausted, their hormones are imbalanced, they have zero libido. Like we can't be talking about like what sex toys to be using in the bedroom for them. Like there's just such a massive gap there. Foundations, nutrition, diet, lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And like didn't hear anything about, cycle syncing and you know for the females that are still cycling like not no talk about that there's a little bit more maybe about menopausal uh, issues but in blanket statements Ooh, cold plunges yeah. are bad value yeah mm-hmm. like i don't know if you were so you know this person was just trying to stir up some conversation or what it was but cold plunges are bad methylene blue ivs are not needed low carb is dangerous, you know, just like, again, aren't we in biohacking because we're all bio-individual? Like, this is the last conference we should be making blanket statements at. So that was like definitely frustrating. And so, I mean, the methylene blue conversation, like, yeah, IVs aren't for everyone, but someone that is dealing with something like Epstein-Barr or Lyme or long covid that's a great option for them. So don't be just telling people like, oh, that's a waste of money. And then cold plunges, I mean, you can speak more to it. But yeah, if you have, if you're a female and you have a thyroid condition, yeah, I wouldn't be 
doing cold plunges 30 days a month. Yeah, for sure. But like, Mm -hmm. that's like such a small percentage of the population we're talking about. Like there's so many other variables of who should be doing it and who shouldn't do it. Okay. Now I'm going on a rant, but yeah, just more bio-individual conversations, the end of one experimentation, more women, women, we need, we need to be taking up space in the biohacking world. I don't know how we need to do that. Like, I feel like when we go there, we see other women, but we're just hanging out. None of us are on stage. So I really hope to see that different next year. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, the leader of this conference, I suppose it's no mystery. It's Dave Asprey, which he has done a fabulous job at leading the way, paving the way to biohacking. You know, he has, he really has a lot of influence, but it seems like he really prioritizes putting on a show which I'm in theater. I love a good performance. I want to be entertained. I don't want to just sit here and listen to lectures and, and read research papers on, on the screen. Sure. Entertainment is good. We need to have joy. We need to laugh. We need to like be silly and vulnerable and connect, but it just seemed like, especially on all the main stage, uh, all the main stage speakers were there for shock value statements to put on a show and, yeah, like kind of get a rise out of people. And I think if everyone there was an advanced or even just an intermediate biohacker, like had been doing it for, let's just say five years minimum, I think we could potentially hear and digest those blanket value statements and go, okay, this is great research, but I know deep within my soul that I'm an individual. We're biochemically individual. So I'm going to take this. I'm going to go home. I'm going to read more. I'm going to figure out what's right for me. But the beginner biohacker already doesn't know that. They don't know to be skeptical. And I'm making, now I'm making a generalized statement, but they don't know to be skeptical. They don't know to keep asking. They don't know to keep being curious. And these are the principles that we have to teach. No one can get up there and say, this is right or wrong for you because they don't know you. You know you best. So yeah, we got, apparently we have to speak louder. (laughs) Maybe just rush the stage. Be like, we're here. We're here. The women are here. Yeah. Yeah. And and also, and and we keep talking about the main stage, but then there's the side rooms. There's like six side rooms going during all the breakout times. And those as well, if you scroll through, like they'll Products. have like some fancy title that sounds really cool. Like how to optimize your sleep through this one missing link that you don't know about or something. You're like, oh, I'm very intrigued. And then it's like sponsored by this mattress or something, you know what I mean? Like every breakout $5,000 mattress to be clear. Yeah. It's actually a great mattress, but, uh, I mean, that's just one example, but they were all like great titles sponsored by this supplement, great title sponsored by this $15,000 biohacking device. It's just like, I I would like to see a blend of practitioners that maybe aren't, Mm -hmm. uh, it's okay to sell a product to some extent, but most of those people were like, business leaders that had developed a product. They're not practitioners. And I think practitioners can just speak to the biohacking world in a different manner. So like, maybe we just have a blend of that. Some practitioners, some more business side. Just a thought. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly a buy-in to be able to speak there. And so it is, it's going to be company product driven. And it's not um, cheap, not cheap. It's not cheap. And that's another complaint. We need to make this more accessible. We need to make free ancestral hacks and optimized health free and accessible to all. And our colleague biohacking, Brittany, who's going to be on the show and we're going to be on hers. We, we finally got to meet her there in person, which was super fun. She lives in Canada. 
she did a recent podcast too, and kind of talked about her experience and a huge complaint that she had was lack of diversity. And we totally agree. It's still very much a white man's game and there's not a lot of women, but there's act like really no one of color. There's no one of anything other than white men predominantly, unfortunately. So we just need to expand the voices and we need to make it, we need to make it cheaper to go. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I I have friends that are very much in the health space and are very interested in biohacking and have have money, I will say. And they're like, it's too expensive. I can't go. I mean, it is. It's, it's almost like it's like an annual vacation. Mm-hmm. So anyways, done rant. Yeah, I guess. So <laughs> to wrap this conversation up, we are going to do our best to keep fighting our way to get our female voices heard and um, share feedback with the conference. And hopefully they listen to that. We do still think it's really valuable to go because there's just incredible people there. And I think the networking and the community building, the social interaction is so invaluable. So we're going to do our responsibility, our due diligence to share feedback and hopefully they respond. And yeah, hopefully we didn't deter you with with the cons. It really is a great time, but we want to see change. Yeah, that's a great recap. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're still going next year, so we we do love it. And and I did submit feedback to the conference. So everything we just said, I submitted to them and hopefully they will actually read that and take it into consideration. So yeah. Lunchtime featuring the biohacker babes. Okay. <laughs> See us on the main stage. <laughs> that would be awesome. Okay. That All wraps right. the biohacking conference in Orlando. Next up, should we talk some nerdy science stuff? Yeah, I know you have a lot to say about GLP one. About about GLP one. Yeah, so rage. we've been talking about. You've heard us talk a lot about peptides. You've heard us talk about GLP one, and it's just really been on my mind a lot. It's in a lot of conversations. It's on the TV. It's in all the podcasts. You know, everybody is talking about Ozempic, and it's kind of sister medications, Rebelsis, Wegovy, Wegovy. Do we know how to pronounce that? No clue. Doesn't matter. Who comes up with these names? Who comes up? So these are GLP-1 agonist medications. Now I can explain what GLP-1 is in a, in a minute, but I think everyone knows what Ozempic, Rebelsis, Wegovy are. They're commercials or literally every other minute on the TV. Uh, another one would be Jardiance, which is not a GLP-1, but it kind of exists in the same family of supporting glucose. So it's for type two diabetics, but it is actually, let me see if I can even remember this acronym. It's an SGLT2. So that's a sodium glucose co-transporter inhibitor. That's a mouthful. It essentially decreases glucose reabsorption. Anyways, I, I mentioned Jardians because that is the commercial that I kind of hate because it really just embeds itself in my brain. Do you know that commercial? Mm-mm. I don't have cable. Is I don't really have cable. Well, Oh, gosh, you haven't heard this? No. You're going to want to murder me when you hear it because it's the jingle's good. They did a good job writing that. Um, All right. It just gets me a little bit fired up because these are being used as weight loss drugs. They're, they've been studied for type 2 diabetes, which we know is mostly preventable. This is something that comes on from insulin resistance, lack of exercise, poor nutrition, you know, onslaught of environmental toxins and stressors, which we do have control over. Sure, we can be genetically predisposed to diabetes, but there is so much that is within our control to affect this outcome that I think 
again, we're like missing a big opportunity to educate people, to teach people how to do this better before jumping to medications. That being said, I just want to explain what a GLP-1 agonist is because it is actually really cool. And the research they're doing is, is fascinating. So GLP-1 is a glucagon-like peptide. It's a peptide. And it belongs to a family of incretins, which are secreted when we eat food. We eat food and then the small intestine, the pancreas, even the central nervous system, the brain start to release GLP-1. So this is something that is endogenously created. It's created in the body. And they have created this class of medications called GLP-1 agonists that mimic that same effect that's already happening in the body. So the function essentially is to enhance insulin secretion. Insulin is the hormone that is released from the pancreas that tells our body like where to put glucose so we don't just have excess glucose in our bloodstream. And also these GLP-1 agonists will suppress appetite by slowing gastric emptying. So it's kind of part of like the side effects when people start taking these, they can get a little bit of nausea because it really slows everything down, makes you less hungry. So you eat less and, and then we get weight loss as a byproduct, but it does not, not come with side effects. I'll just say that. So a question that was always in my mind, I was like, wait, glucagon, if it's glucagon, does it do the same glucagon like peptide? Is it the same thing as glucagon? Glucagon is a glucose mobilizing compound. So it's different than the glucagon like peptide, which is actually acting more like insulin. It's helping insulin to be released so that we get the glucose deposition. So a lot of people take it to reduce excess glucose. So if you run the risk of going hyperglycemic because you've never worn a continuous glucose monitor here, your invitation still stands. We can learn so much about how certain foods are affecting us, even quote unquote healthy foods. I know I've mentioned this before, but so many of my clients come to me and say, I'm eating healthy. I can't believe that my glucose is off the charts. Yeah, this is totally normal. It happens all the time. So a lot of us have hyperglycemia, which is high glucose, which we don't want because we know that leads to insulin resistance, which leads to diabetes and not only diabetes, but an inflammatory cascade in the body. It leads to neurodegenerative conditions. It really messes up your brain health, essentially. So we want to manage glucose. We want to manage glucose. So my question is, why are so many people jumping to this class of medications rather than doing the lifestyle stuff? Why are we not educating people on these commercials that we have to do the foundations first? Diet, lifestyle, nutrition. Again, there's so much within our control. I could uh, hypothesize that you know the drug industry stands to benefit quite a lot. I think they do, right? Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like looking for you to nod. <laughs> yeah. And I think also a lot of people don't want to put in the work, which I understand. It takes patience. It takes hard work. But the benefits of doing the foundational stuff, the diet, lifestyle, nutrition are forever lasting. They're going to give you longevity. They're going to make things so much easier so much easier and simply managing your glucose is so much for your health from balancing hormones, reducing inflammation to improving mood, motivation, brain health, weight loss, great byproduct, reduces anxiety, depression. Yeah. Yeah. You're raising your hand to speak. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Both, both. But I just want to interject with that somewhat rhetorical question. You know, why aren't we doing the basic things? I actually just listened to a really interesting podcast Uh, our friend Molly Eastman, Sleep is a Skill podcast, she had this habits coach on. And 
he was talking about how like everyone knows what to do. Like, I don't think you ask the average person on the street, like, do you think a salad is healthy? Or like, do you think grass-fed beef is healthy? Do you think chocolate or I shouldn't say chocolate, do you think candy is unhealthy? Like, these are mind-blowing questions, but it's like, what is blocking the, you know, what's the reason? And so a lot of his work I thought was really interesting is getting to the root cause of that. You know, is it, and I'm guilty of this too, if there's like a work thing I have to do, and I don't want to do it, I'm in the kitchen. I definitely noticed that because it's like, it's like a comfort thing. And he's like, so if you have like a stressful spreadsheet you have to do for work, we got to figure out how to make you not hate that versus just, you know, finding something in the kitchen to offset the feeling. Anyways, I mean, that's a whole rabbit Mm -hmm. hole of things, but, but I think the emotional side of eating is just so, so massive. And, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, so people say, oh, I can just, take a pill or do an injection it's easier yeah i'm just playing devil's icing it's shiny no i really appreciate that because i get it i get it it's hard and then it's like we're overwhelmed with all the information we don't know where to start because we're going to conferences and no one's teaching us how to be our own (laughs) biohackers but um i i think if it is accessible to you this is why you work with a health coach or nutritionist or hopefully your doctor can actually spend enough time with you in a room And if it's just starting with a continuous glucose monitor, just to get to know, like, how is your physiology responding to food, exercise, sleep, hydration, we get inherent accountability, like out of the get go. And then the magic that happens is you start to correlate. Oh man, I don't feel so good when I do this. Maybe I should do more that you inherently want to do that good thing because you start to put the pieces together and realize, oh gosh, I don't want to feel like that anymore. And I think it can be really glacially slow for people. And yes, it requires support. And if you have a community, even better. But there are options. That's kind of my point of saying this is that we have options and there's a lot of resources out there. And I just think shame on the drug companies for not sharing that additional information. They're a business. They are They're a business. business. They are potentially better business people than we are. So <laughs> not potentially. They are. <laughs> They're yeah. crushing it. They're crushing it. So I just wanted to share some like really accessible ways that we can enhance GLP-1 signaling in the body because it's a natural process that happens. I Like the question really would be like, why is your GLP-1 not being signaled? Because that would be the reason for taking these GLP-1 agonists like Ozempic, right? If you're not getting the signaling, yeah. you would jump to the medication. So we could look out why is your GLP low? But I think it's actually a better entryway to just say like, I'm going to tell you the things that help signaling. And if you're not doing those things, then potentially you're not getting proper signaling. So these are actually all really well-known things, fairly easy. Protein and fiber. Whoa, protein and fiber. Increases GLP-1. I love that. Woohoo! Second one is my absolute favorite, eating slowly and chewing more thoroughly. I can't tell you guys enough. We got to chew our food. I know it's hard. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I got to get back to work. I'm just eat this really fast. Or I'm going to just let the smoothie just fall down my throat. Chewing is essential, right? You heard it on a podcast with our dad. We need teeth. We release digestive enzymes. And now we know also that it simulates the release of GLP-1. So you could be getting Mm -hmm. the same effect of taking Ozempic if you just sit down and chew your food a little bit more. Yeah. And you know what I have realized in the last month? Tell me. Guilty. 
This is a guilty story. No. Um, so I'm used to having dinner with Ryan every night. We always cook together. We eat together every night. But he's been playing in the World Series of Poker for the last six weeks. So that means a lot of dinners at home alone. Not as fun cooking for one. I have the kitties. So we eat together. Yes. I put their stinky fish in a bowl and I eat. But I like to watch Netflix while I'm eating dinner. Because I don't know. I'm like, I'm just home alone. I don't have anyone to talk to. So I end up putting on the TV. And I will finish. I know. But what I'm learning is I'll finish my normal size dinner that I always eat. And then I'm like, I want something else. I'm like then going for like chocolate or a snack. Like, and I'm not usually that person. I usually finish dinner and I'm done for the night. But I think because I'm watching the TV and I'm not being super mindful of eating, I'm then mm. grazing a little bit more. So anyways, interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I'm sure a lot of people just went like, oh, wow, that happens to me. That's really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to distract the brain. Yeah. Sadly, we're not so, very good at multitasking. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. I know now I'm like finishing. I'm like, Renee, you just ate your normal dinner. Let's let's move on. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, a really fun fact about GLP-1 is that it can cross the blood-brain barrier. And this is what induces feelings of satiety. And so if you're not chewing, your brain is not getting the signal that you're full. Right. And I know you mentioned that before. Like when you drink a smoothie, you're like, oh. Feel like I didn't eat anything, but you yeah. calorically could have compared it to another meal and maybe had more calories than if you sat and ate a salad, right? Exactly. Salad, terrible example. Um, <laughs> no, but it's something that requires a, requires a lot of chewing. Definitely, mm-hmm. it's definitely yeah. Because even after I'm finishing my let's call it my Netflix dinner, I'm full, but I'm not satiated. That's definitely the the missing link there. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Story time. Here's our, our chewing campaign. Can you guys <laughs> slow down and chew just a little bit more? And listen, I know I'm so guilty. There's plenty of meals where I'm like, nope, that just went right down. <laughs> but we try to remind ourselves and maybe you can have an accountability buddy, your partner, maybe even let your children know, teach your children to do this. Let's get the, the whole family in on it. And if you start getting those reminders and the accountability, I think we'll change those habits over time. So that was only number two. All right, biohackers, I'm not supposed to confess this to you, but screw it. Do you want to hear what my real sleep routine sounds like sometimes? I curl up in bed, lights on, they may be red lights, but they're lights, phone on, sometimes good old Netflix playing on the TV, and you know what I call this little catastrophe cocktail? Well, my nervous system certainly doesn't think it's winding down, and I've earned it, right? Look, we've all been there. It's an endless cycle that just keeps repeating itself. I know sometimes I think one more thing, one more thing, and then I'll put my phone down. What happens is we wake up with more brain fatigue the next day, which makes us more prone to make poor decisions again on crappy sleep. And it's just like Groundhog Day without the happy ending in Bill Murray. But today I finally got the happy ending. <laughs> no kidding. I'm I'm actually having one of my raddest days ever, and it's all because of buy optimizers. I mean, who else would it be than those guys? Man, they have a great track record of always nailing it. So what do they do? Well, they create a little sleep hygiene ritual that involves a delicious little beverage that will knock you on your bottom with the healthiest non-habit forming ingredients. 
You've heard us rave about Magnesium Breakthrough, and it's awesome because we have the same brains and magic behind this one, Sleep Breakthrough. It's just like that. So the reason you're not sleeping is, of course, lack of good sleep hygiene, but also could be nutrient deficiencies and the ingredients that we need to get into deep restorative sleep. If you want to learn more, you can go to sleepbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes and get yourself an education that will change your life. It sure did for us. Trust me, we don't want to put this off any longer. Sleep is our superpower, but a lot of us are doing it really wrong. The real fix is finally here, and you know that we love our sleep, so we would not say that lightly. Go to sleepbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes and use code biohackerbabes10 to get a surprisingly cool free gift too. That's sleepbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes to learn all about these amazing ingredients and formulation and a delicious nighttime cocktail. All right, biohackers, let's get back to the show. Number, no, I love this conversation. Number three, bitter foods. And guess what goes in that category? Coffee. Coffee is a bitter food. Of course, we went clean, coffee, mycotoxin-free, make sure you're sourcing well. But coffee actually can be a wonderful bitter agent. Artichoke, one of my favorite ways to start a meal because it really slows down uh, the glucose into your bloodstream. Fabulous like pre-meal glucose hack. Bitter greens like arugula. We've talked about that on the podcast before. Even something like supplemental bitters. You can get bitters and put them in your water. Now, do you have to run to the health food store and get these bitters, or maybe you have a little bar at home and you can put some cocktail bitters in there. They're still bitters. So yes. I love making a mocktail before dinner, some liquid bitters, a little apple cider vinegar, lemon, great for glucose, great for stimulating digestion, great for stimulating the gallbladder. And then we get this GLP-1 signaling. That's awesome. I need to start doing that full concoction that you just said. I like that. It's kind of, it's yeah. good, like the more ingredients that are in there, because they offset each other, it just creates a little more balance, right? Apple cider yeah. vinegar on, on its own, it's really tough. The bitters on their own are kind of tough. They really all kind of soften each other, even though they're quite strong and pungent in their own right. Yeah. I actually really like just bitters in sparkling water or club soda. Like even mm-hmm. like Dr. Dr. Chris Shade's bitters, which are like, very strong. Like they're a lot stronger than like cocktail bitters. I just do like two to three pumps in a glass of sparkling water. And I think it's delicious, but I haven't tried adding the lemon and the apple cider vinegar. So go for it. It's yeah. a potent punch. And I know some people right. are not into bitters. Some people really have an aversion to it. So you could start really small and just see how you feel. And great though, caveat, you may not always feel it, but if you look at the research, there's some amazing studies on what these compounds are doing to support body. And it's just such a simple hack. Why not? All right, let's finish out this list. Omega-3 fatty acids. That'd be like fatty fish, omega-3 supplementation, fish oil. Anything you want to say about that? Do you have a favorite omega that you're taking? I don't right now. I'm always mixing it up, looking for the next best thing, but maybe the Paleo Valley row supplement. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I trust the quality from them. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're taking right now? I don't, but that's kind of queued up next yeah. for me to yeah. try. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I always need more omega-3s for sure. For sure. Yeah. Especially with genetic predispositions, mm-hmm. right? We both Lots have APOE 3-4, which pr- predisposes us to Alzheimer's and huge connection with GLP-1 and something like Alzheimer's neurodegenerative condition because of that GLP-1 crosses into the blood brain barrier and is very responsible for neuroplasticity and protecting the brain. 
Mm. So if you're not getting that signaling and you have the predisposition, omega-3s are really, man, we just like went full circle, really powerful. People fall into that category. Awesome. Botanicals, quercetin, olive leaf, berberine, which people call nature's ozempic. And I see really great benefits in my clients to take berberine, really awesome lowering effect on the glucose. I don't know that we want to take long, uh, take high amounts for a long period of time, but you could see like pretty short term benefits. Uh, cause sometimes people really need like a stronger punch. Uh, so that's an option. Curcumin, resveratrol. I think it's interesting. I'm going to ask you, Renee, what do all these have in common? These botanicals. Hmm. What do these all have in common? We talked about a lot of these on recent podcasts. Senolytic, antioxidant. Yeah, totally. Something. You're in it. Anti-aging. Something. Ah, that they're all used for anti-aging. Got it. Yeah. There's a circle back. We're protecting the brain, protecting our glucose metabolism. Yeah. I'm like half of those are in qualia senolytic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great for the immune system. Cool stuff. Yeah. Okay. I promise I'm almost done with the list. BCAAs and protein powders. Great way. Like if you really struggle to get protein in, get a high quality protein powder, help yourself out. And then pre and probiotics. What about, what about EAAs? Could we use those instead of BCAAs? I think so. That the research just pointed to BCAAs, but I think what yeah. we know about essential amino acids, especially from Ben Greenfield, I think, I think potentially it would do the same thing and maybe even better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But just amino acids, hitting your amino acid thresholds. So we get good muscle protein synthesis and the stimulation of GLP one and then pre and probiotics to round out that list. So I think that's a pretty super accessible list. Protein and fiber, eating yeah. slow and chewing your food, bitter foods, omegas, these botanicals that we've seen a lot of research on for anti-aging, brain support, pull in the aminos and the protein powders if you need a little support, and then the probiotics. Great. Voila. Yeah, and we'll put together a nice little list of all of those in the show notes so it's easy to check those off. Definitely. To round out this conversation, uh, what I really wanted to, to share, and I hope this is the takeaway, is that one, diabetes is preventable, type 2 diabetes. and we could argue like we're all on the pre-diabetic spectrum. Like if we were to look at labs, a lot of people are heading in that direction. When you look at glucose monitoring, a lot of us are heading in that direction. I have yet to work with a client that was not able to turn things around when it comes to glucose, like to actually lower their glucose and improve their metabolic function through diet, lifestyle, and exercise. I've never put someone on a medication because like I can't, I'm not a doctor. Just doing the lifestyle stuff, I've never seen with someone not improve their glucose. So I think when we see these commercials, know it's an option. And I think it's a really great option for some people and potentially a lot of people. But know it's not your only option. And potentially we can make these things work even better with all these other benefits into the health realm by doing these foundational practices. Yeah, yeah. I think this kind of, I maybe have even said this in the podcast we did with Dr. JC Folkers, but this kind of reminds me a little bit of like the HCG diet where like you are injecting something, there are some potential side effects, but if we can use the power of that while focusing on all the lifestyle and the diet things, we're just going to like, you know, take off with the results. But it's Mm. like, I know it is so hard to change the lifestyle stuff when you feel like you're hungry all day and you're just like trying to battle uphill. So it's like 
you know, if we can use a combination, because I think some people are just, they need something like this, but yeah. we got to match it with the lifestyle stuff at the same time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I definitely agree. And Great. I still Thanks have the Guardians commercial in my brain. Please go. <laughs> okay. You have to send me that if it's like on YouTube or something. Oh, it's a or whole maybe not. Like, song and dance. The main girl, the, she has a whole cast of characters dancing behind her. And I'm so glad they're dancing. I love the dancing. And dancing is a fabulous thing for your metabolic health and for your mental, emotional health. Like, obviously, we're dancers. We should all dance more in our lives. It's just hard for me to not go... I wonder if anyone is doing strength training. I wonder if they're eating real food. I wonder if they're getting good sleep. You know, maybe they are. That's where your brain goes. Yeah. That's where my brain goes. Maybe they are. Maybe. Maybe they're not. <laughs> okay. Lauren out. I'm All done. Right. Can we go to Renee's biohacking corner? Sure. Renee's biohacking corner. I like the sound of that. Um, I don't know. You're I was like, like a magician. To... You always got something up your sleeve. I always like to you know, experiment. I feel like I'm always like posting different pictures and things of what I'm trying, but the latest of the week, I heard about this from a friend. Uh, it's a drink called new brew, which is a combination of Kratom and Kava Lauren's favorite combination. And <laughs> I've talked about this combination before on the show. Cause I went to this bar in Sedona, Arizona, and they had a Kratom and Kava blend. And I came out of the, I'll say quote unquote bar Kava bar. And I was like, whoa, I feel like I got a little bit of a buzz. I feel super happy. I feel really energized. And so that was like my introduction to this combination. But anyways, these are canned drinks. You do have to be 18 or older to drink them. But it's hmm. uh, it's a blend of the two. There is a little bit of caffeine. I would say that's, eh, I wish it wasn't because this is really, for me, an alcohol alternative. And typically, you're drinking alcohol at night. So you have to be a little bit mindful if you're going to drink it you know, what time you're having it at, but I, I have one and I feel like awesome. I feel really good cool. when I drink it. Cool. <laughs> Maybe I How can get the you taste? to drink one. Eh, it's not bad, but it's not great. It's probably the best Kratom Kava I've had because I've had like the feel free tonics, the ones at the Kava bars, things like that, where it's very, very earthy. This one is not as bad. It tastes almost like a flavored sparkling water with a hint of grass a hint of grass <laughs> you're really selling it for me i used to use the word earthy as a good thing but now i'm like oh there's a lot that comes from the earth and i don't like a lot of it <laughs> yeah it's not in my my preferred taste profile but yeah i like the benefits but, that you're experiencing yeah and then i sleep really good so i've tried this two times and both nights I slept incredible. So I think, again, I'm like always on the hunt for alcohol alternatives that make you feel good and make you sleep well. And I think this is another potential game changer here. Interesting. So I do share Kava with clients sometimes. And I can think of one in particular that had this theory that she actually got more deep sleep after drinking alcohol. And we were like, dug through all her stats. I was like, prove it to me. And she did actually have more deep sleep after drinking, but all the other health stats, all the other data we were collecting was harmed or depressed. So HRV was depressed. Uh, heart rate went up. Quality of sleep really wasn't that great, but she actually was getting more deep sleep. So she said, is there something else that I can take that will mimic that effect of kind of like 
knocking me out without harming all the other health stats. So she started taking kava and I know immediately it produced a really great benefit. I haven't followed up on that specifically if it has maintained, but it really actually, it, it definitely fit the bill to keep all the stats up without obviously the toxic effects of alcohol. So yeah, if you can stomach the taste like Renee, I think it's definitely a cool option for nighttime and better alternative to alcohol for sure. Cause it's a state changer. Yeah. And if you're, you really hate the taste, just put a straw in there. Kind of like bypasses it. I've tried that. Oh, you're I like, I can't. It. I can't yeah. do it. I will say that that is really interesting what you said about the deep sleep because, I, I mean, alcohol definitely inhibits REM sleep more than deep sleep. So I feel like if someone is still somewhat sleep deprived, which most Americans are, I feel like the alcohol maybe won't impact your deep sleep as much. But all the other biomarkers definitely are going to take a hit. So. That's great yeah. that Kava was able to be the replacement. Yeah, it was a little science science experiment. I was like, okay, how do we hold yeah. this variable still? <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. That's everything else. Yeah. There you cool. go. End of one. All right. New brew. Right. Do you know where we can get it? I buy it well, online. We can get it, not we. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just bought it online, but I guess I should check and see if they have it in stores anywhere. Not sure. But I think an, another option is the feel-free tonic. I'll link to both of those in the show notes because that's like a tinier bottle. It's like very potent kratom and kava versus this is like a whole can. Like imagine mm. like instead of drinking a truly, you would drink a new brew versus the feel-free is like a shot of mm-hmm. the two. So yeah, I'll link to that and see, you know, definitely online. And then if anyone sees it in stores, let me know. Cool. Awesome. All right. All right. So I just wanted to do a quick shout out to my microdosers. For those of you out there microdosing, I wanted to just run through a few like basic ingredients, vitamins, herbs that could support your microdosing. And the reason I'm doing a quick introduction is that I'm creating a course for, well, I'm creating a module in the course for Mycology Psychology, which is the network of microdosing practitioners that I am now a part of. And we're going to bring on the founders, Roman Victoria coming on soon and a colleague of mine, Taraya, to talk about mycology. So you'll be learning a lot more about how how they work, the coaching, the protocols. But I know some of you are already microdosing and I think it's responsible of us to introduce some vitamins and herbs that can help support this process because microdosing, like anything, could be a shiny toy, a shiny toy, but it's not a panacea and we have to do the foundational stuff. And I think when it comes to cognitive health, to mood, motivation, to brain health, often we can be quite deficient in a lot of basic nutrients because of our food supply. Could be because we're not chewing, right? When we chew, we get more digestion, absorption. It could be because of environmental toxins and stress, we have leaky gut. So then we're definitely not absorbing. So I just want to give like a very quick intro, some nutrients that you can start doing your own research on. I will put at the top of that list, zinc. Fabulous nutrient for mental health. And with that B vitamins and magnesium, because they all support the proper DNA methylation cycle. So that's going to give us our optimal expression of our genetics. Phosphatidylcholine is a really cool one. It's required by every cell membrane. It's really helpful for nerve and brain cells for repair and maintenance. And it's also a major source of the neurotransmitter acetylcholine, if you've heard of that. So that's going to control our motor activity, learning, memory, And as we age, we get a decline in this. So I think it'd be super, super helpful to supplement, but 
disclaimer, do your own research, please. And we'll share more. More will come out when I um, am completed with the course. But acetyl L-carnitine, I would put on that list. It's an amino acid mostly found in animal foods. So a little more difficult for vegans, vegetarians to get it. It, it became quite popular as a way to burn fat because it does support fatty acid me- metabolism because it moves fatty acids into the mitochondria where it's then converted into usable energy. And, you know, I think ma- the research is kind of showing it's really helpful if you're deficient in it. I don't know if this is something that helps with fatty acid metabolism if you're already at baseline, but I think in the, the sake of this for the sake of this conversation, a lot of us are already deficient in these nutrients. You can test for it. I see it come up on organic acids. If you're deficient in carnitine, we could see other organic acids kind of step in and try to take over. So that could be a sign. I think, did you have a story about carnitine? Yeah, it was one nutrient that I actually really noticed a difference with back, I mean, maybe like 10 years ago. This is when I realized that bulletproof coffee was not working for me. So I went Ah. from this like ketogenic high fat diet and not feeling great to I had to really cut back on my fat like significantly. And then I added in carnitine and my energy felt so much better. My like belly area felt flatter and like a little more toned. Yeah, I think I just wasn't utilizing the fats that I was eating. I was I was overeating the fats and I wasn't even utilizing what I was eating. It was mm. like double whammy. So cutting back and then adding the carnitine, I felt I really felt a difference with that. Interesting. Very cool. And yeah. I'll just say acetyl L-carnitine, as opposed to there's other forms of carnitine, but acetyl is more effective specifically for improving cognitive and neurological function because the acetyl group that's attached, that's the beginning of the word allows it to cross the blood brain barrier. So then we're getting it up into the brains. We see better brain function. The last one on this list is lion's mane, which is a functional mushroom, you know, in some cool grocery stores, you can buy it or you can get a mushroom kit and grow it for yourself. But I think a lot of us are seeing these pop up in health food stores or in supplement stacks for brain health. And there's even some microdosing stacks like Paul Stamets stack includes lion's mane. Lots of cool research on it, improving memory and boosting brain cell growth by stimulating BDNF. That's that really cool like brain fertilizer that helps with neuroplasticity and prevents neurological or neurodegenerative disorders. So really promising compound for neuroprotective effects. So that's kind of a basic overview or some things that you can stack with your microdosing. But point of me sharing this is that I'm creating a module on vitamins and herbs to support your microdosing through mycology. So just want to give you guys a little teaser. I'll keep you posted on the course. It is for practitioners. So if you're already a practitioner doing this, or you're interested in becoming a practitioner, definitely send us a message. I can share some more information with you, but um, I think it fits into the realm of educating about the foundations and the basics before we just jump to the shiny new toy, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're reminding me of uh, our friends that created First Person, which is mm. Those are stacks to go with your microdose. So now that you just shared all that, I'm going to have to go back and look at what they actually have in there. Me too. Kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Perfect. So we're going to round up this podcast. We're going to just share, kind of be vulnerable and share some current health health challenges that we're going through and what we're learning about it. I think it's useful. Maybe you are feeling this too. Hopefully we can um, support through our own challenges. So Renee, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? (laughs) Mm, I'll just quickly share. So my, I'm 
kind of leaning towards a low cortisol curve again. Um, so I'm having to revisit some things and make some life changes. But I would just say like things that I'm trying, new things I'm trying is a uh, glandocort, which is an adrenal peptide. Uh, I heard about this from our friend, Natalie Nidham, who's a peptide expert, never done a peptide there. So actually it's technically a bioregulator, but interesting thing there. And then also this new supplement, we're both trying salad, saladricide. Say that. Salidricide. Salidricide. So it's a naturally occurring compound found in rhodiola, which a lot of people know of as being like adaptogenic, really good for fatigue, really good for athletes, but it's actually supporting oxygen uptake and ATP production. And I, I've been talking with the, the team over there a lot because I just finished my 30-day test run and I haven't felt anything from it. And they said it's unique in that some people feel it within a week. Some people, it takes three months. So I just got another two months. I'm going to keep trying it and see if we no notice any difference. Last but not least, the NAD patches. I am still doing those once a month. And I, I do feel better when I do them for a couple days in a row. So I'm still a fan. And everyone I talk to about NAD, they're like, oh my God, the patches are so great. Like it's it's just such a good middle ground between the IVs and supplements. So definitely more accessible, easy to wear, much cheaper. Yeah. You're becoming the NAD queen. I love it. Yeah. It's I'm just all about curious. Adrenals. Yeah. Yeah. Our energy reserve. I'm curious about the land kind, which is the company that makes the solidro side. Since some people feel it and some people don't, I can't imagine it's just a perception of, but what is really the need or the deficiency there that would make someone really feel it? Are, are they comparing you to other people that are having a lower cortisol curve or cortisol response? Yeah, I know. I was wondering that too. So I actually asked them about cortisol, if they're seeing anything. They said they haven't done a lot of research on just specifically cortisol, but their understanding as of now is that there is no impact, you know, if if any. I mean, rhodiola naturally will, as an adaptogen, it's like if your cortisol is really low, you might see an increase. If it's really high, you might see a decrease, but they haven't done the research specifically on that. So you're right. Like, what's the question? Do some people have lower oxygen uptake and that's why they're feeling a difference. I don't know. I don't know. So, mm -hmm. um, and actually they sent me a really cool study. I will link to that in the show notes if anyone wants to take a deeper dive on that, but they're, they're open to doing more research. So cool. Yeah. Anyway. Please share. Cause it just yeah. gets my wheels spinning. I'm like, Ooh, now I want to understand like what's happening in this person versus this person. Cause yeah. it happens with everything. Again, we're biochemically individual. We're all going to respond differently, but I like to understand why? So yeah, yeah. I'm taking starting it. to think like, oh, maybe because my cortisol is low, I actually shouldn't be taking this. That was my my thought after a month, and they were like, no, 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 that's not a problem. But yeah, so you're yeah. taking it too. I am. I can't say that I feel much, but I also I have not been consistent. Full disclosure. So okay. I'm going to try to be more consistent because. Can I share? Did you have anything else? No, that's it. That's it. It was just kind of a rundown of what I'm doing. I need to be more consistent because my readiness has just totally tanked in the last week and a half. It's maybe my longest streak of low readiness scores that I've ever had. You know, I go through periods, you know, if I'm up later here and there, an event, travel, but I've like solidly been rocking some mid seventies readiness, which is really not normal wow. for me. And um, so the variables are I'm back in New York city. I have really haven't been here. For a year and a half, been in Maryland. I found out 
when doing my taxes that I only spent 16 days in New York City last year, which is insane. <laughs> <Fun> so, <laughs> I've been Hilarious. like solidly in Maryland in nature and I've been, you know, I traveled quite a bit last year, but not solidly in this apartment in the city. So that's a variable, which I think is interesting because when I first went to Maryland, I thought, oh man, I bet that all of my recovery stats are going to improve being away from noise, air pollution, less EMFs, more in nature, more sunshine, more greenery. And they, you know, like slowly saw an uptick, but I didn't see anything dramatic. But now that I'm back here, I'm like, oof, my, I think that my nervous system is just like, whoa, this is a lot for us. So um, it's fun to be back here, but I think it's an onslaught of a lot of different things. To add into that picture, I have been in my luteal phase of my cycle for the last week and a half. So of course, we see uh, depression and immune function. Readiness is naturally going to go down because HRV gets suppressed in the latter half of the cycle. You know, my resting heart rate, my body temperature a little bit elevated. So that always leads to lower readiness scores. But I think compounded with being back in New York City and also my sleep wake cycles are not as consistent just because there's been a lot going on here. Fun things, but I'm out of my normal sleep routine. and. I don't have my eight sleep mattress pad, which is potentially the most upsetting of all. So I think my actual sleep quality has been diminished. Jeremy and I are just having the hardest time sleeping here in our bedroom because we got so used to the eight sleep and the cool and like we each had our own settings. You know, his curve was a little bit more intense than mine, but I always needed it quite intense during my luteal phase because as a female, you're your body temperature elevates. So it's just really irritating how hot that I get. So sleep quality is not good. Sleep wake time is not good. In my luteal phase, you know, back in New York City with all this chaos, pollution, EMFs. So I've been rocking a really like low vibe the last week and a half. So yeah, I'm curious from you, Renee, if I was a client, what would you tell me to do? I feel like you've already answered that question. <laughs> uh, can support. you can you get the eight sleep? Yeah, I mean, just all the I mean, the EMFs, the lack of cold, the different sleep wake cycles. I mean, you just have so much going on, and then your your actual monthly cycle. Like I, I'm not surprised you're seeing a lower readiness. Can you get the eight sleep? Can you bring it up to New York? Yeah, I'm going to try to bring it up. I'm gonna, I think that's a wise choice because, right, it's a third of our lives, eight, eight hours a night, really important. And if I could sleep better, then everything else is going to be better, even when controlling for other variables. So I think I need you to push me to do that. Remind me to do that. Definitely. And um, I think potentially the next big thing is like, I'm going to have an upswing because now I'm in my follicular phase, but I, I have to get back on a consistent sleep wake schedule. And I think this is tough for most people when there's an environment or a schedule shift. It's really hard to kind of like find your flow again. So I really just wanted to admit that because I hear that from clients all the time. It's so hard to like hit the refresh, the restart button. So I feel you. I really feel you right now. Here's your refresh button. Yeah. So it's good just to kind of get it off my chest and say it out loud and hear how I'm feeling and responding to it knowing that I have agency to make some changes. So like I need to create some boundaries. I got to get the eight sleep. And then also I think I am going to see an upswing just because of where I am in my cycle. So 
yeah, better. Thank give you yourself listening. some. Yeah, give yourself some grace. I think this week will be up. up, up, up. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone is experiencing any of these challenges, like reach out. We're here to support you. You can support us. This is like the point of our community. And um, we will circle back on the biohacks and the mycology course. And anything else to throw in there? Anything else that's coming up? I think we got lots to link to in the show notes. And yeah, always so much fun to chat with you. Yes. Love you, sis. Love you. I'll see you in person real soon. Oh, yes. Austin next weekend. It's going to be last. Um, And thank you to all of you for showing up and supporting us and being here. Even though we can't see your faces, we feel your presence more and more. And please never hesitate to reach out to us. Tell us who you are, what you're up to. And um, until the next biohacking conference and we can hug more people. Yeah, we just always ask, like, please reveal yourself because it really inspires and motivates us to keep bringing you this content. So thanks for being here today. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.